The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Oliver Christie, an AI consultant and expert in the field of artificial intelligence. Hello, Oliver. Hello. Good morning. Very nice to meet you, Beth. Likewise. We'd like to start today by you introducing yourself to our listeners and telling us a little bit about the things that you're doing in the field of AI. Yes, absolutely. So I've been in the field of AI for some time, mostly centered around natural language processing and kind of human insights. So what's the crossover between people and how we act and how AI can start to understand that better. I'm a consultant, so I'd say probably half of my work is done with tech companies and big financial institutions so they can figure out how to implement AI. Then the other half of the work I do is research-based. So think about where AI is going and what it's going to look like next. And then also how a company might look if it's rebuilt from scratch with AI and data at the core. Great. Well, obviously, we're currently in the midst of the, all this transition to artificial intelligence. So even though this has been something been going on for the past few decades, development around artificial intelligence, obviously, we're still at the very beginning. So on that note, you recently wrote a piece in Medium called Five AI and Data Science Predictions for 2017. So I think our listeners, we'd love to have you highlight a few of those and tell us where you see the field of AI going this year. So if you want, I can key off the first prediction you made, or do you want to work through that yourself? Yeah, sure. So the first prediction I made was that big data, which is always quite a loose term anyway, will be replaced with insight data. And what I meant by that is it's not particularly useful having an awful lot of data and actually know what that data is about. I can have any quantity of data had in front of me, but if I don't know the function of that and how it's useful, the data doesn't really have much purpose. So I think the insights are going to be the things that people are going to really start talking about a lot more, and that part's the valuable part anyway. Hmm, that's good. Yeah, I know we've always heard about that hierarchy of data and knowledge and information and the differences between them. So, you know, obviously we're moving from pools and piles of big data to more information, and hopefully from that we'll get some knowledge. So that definitely sounds key. So in 2017, I know we're sort of already two-thirds through the way here. Have you started to see that sort of transition to people using AI and more knowledge-based systems to gain more information from their data? It is happening. It's not happening as quickly as I think and not as evenly as I think it was going to. I would imagine all companies with the big data will say, well, what's the value of what we've got here? How can we really find out what's been the underlying message of data? And instead, it seems some companies are rushing ahead and doing a fantastic job of this, but an awful lot aren't. An awful lot are still not quite getting to what's the part that matters here. It's also different across different industries. So something like financial or advertising are way ahead of industries like legal, which is some way behind government as well. So I feel industries still need to catch up, but it is getting there. Right. Okay. And now, would you like to talk about another prediction that you had made for 2017? Yeah. So prediction number two was that how we think about data in a post-truth world is changed. If we now have the idea that scientific fact or an industry view can be challenged and can be challenged by a large audience easily, well, 
it doesn't change the fact that that scientific fact is, on the whole, accurate and right and correct and so on. But it's not there's a disconnect between the scientific community and the general public at large. And I think that gap has to be narrowed very wide at the moment, and it's growing. And I think one way of changing that would be to try and reduce jargon and be in the same arenas that the general public are interested in. Something like climate change is an obvious. It's obvious to see the disparity. But if we look at really any type of scientific or technical or industrial industry view, it's not necessarily connecting. I think the wider community needs to do a better job of it. Okay. And now, you know, like Ground had said earlier, since we're about two-thirds of the way through 2017, how have you seen that prediction come true or not so far? I'd love to say we've made a change. We made it that there's progress. I don't think we're in a particularly different position than we were six months ago or even a year ago. The, the sort of rhetoric hasn't changed particularly. The voices of the scientific and data communities are not really being heard in the mainstream media. It feels like we're still in our own bubbles, that we're still talking to our peers, but not the wider audience. I don't think there has been much progress. Now, can you explain to me what you mean by post-truth world? In that the things that we assumed were truth, the sort of some of the grounded facts that we were taught growing up on the whole, quite a few of those have been challenged. Okay, so you're not talking about fake news here. You're talking about things that people thought were the truth, but data has proven otherwise. Well, it's a little bit of both. Fake news certainly falls into that category of defined truth. I mean, there are things that data can challenge, which is fantastic, but I think it's mostly the presentation of fact and alternative fact. Well, you can't have an alternative fact. It doesn't make any sense. And that's, I think, where we are at the moment. Sounds good. I definitely, I know that when you have systems that are trying to be built on the idea of knowledge and understanding in artificial intelligence, you have to have a single reference to truth. There has to be an understanding of truth. That's a really interesting overlap between what's happening in the field of AI and what's happening sort of in this general public environment. And moving on a little bit related to that, one of your third predictions is that the public demand for information will increase. So we'd love to kind of get your feedback of your prediction about that for 2017 and kind of where we are with that now. Yeah, it's something I've been saying for some time is as consumers, we're hungry for information, information on what to buy, what to do, where to go, especially for something medical. So what treatment should I get? And you're hungry for the knowledge so you can make the best choice. Now, the internet is fantastic for providing information, but it's very poor for saying which information is empirically correct. So anyone can publish online at the moment. And it's very hard to figure out which things are true, which things are not true, unless you've got a very deep understanding of that particular subject. And even Mm -hmm. if you have a deep understanding of the subject, it's still quite hard with things which can't necessarily be, say, double-blind tested. I think the public is still looking for information. I think for the people, the the percentage of the the population who are interested in knowledge and understanding, this is going to ramp up and... The demand is going to be higher simply because with more information, you should be able to make a better choice. On the flip side, though, I think there's also a fairly large percentage of people who are not interested in knowledge, who are not interested in, shall we say, understanding wider facts. And those people seem to get more and more entrenched in their viewpoint. And it's not necessarily a very right or very left viewpoint, but it's a, it's a fixed viewpoint. And that seems to be harder to change. 
Okay. Now, prediction number four is that data will become connected. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. We've still got data in silos. We've still got individual companies hoarding their own data, commercial companies, medical, and so on. But that data in its particular silo isn't necessarily that useful. It will lead you towards one answer for one question, but doesn't necessarily put things into context. So we're still stuck with a very narrow data set. Mm -hmm. The AI we can build off that is still incredibly narrow. We need more data from more places to get a wider understanding of any situation. And it's at that point that AI can really start doing the things that it should be able to be doing. So yeah, I agree with that. Point, yeah. I do think that one of the challenges is, you know, data is very proprietary and uh, people hold that, you know, they protect that. So we have to think of ways that make it beneficial for companies to want to release and share that data with either their competitors or, you know, across different industries. That's yeah, going to be a challenge that I see. And, you know, piggybacking on that, you know, uh, we've been solving this challenge of enterprise integration for decades. I know that my previous analyst business, that was actually one of the core focuses, you know, focusing on things like service-oriented architecture and web services and, of course, the movement towards broadly accessible APIs. That was all trying to solve the problem of these silos of information and people trying to connect to them and integrate their data and just in general trying to make better use of systems. And you'd think that we'd have solved that problem. I think we've solved it somewhat, but it sounds like this is not just a problem of accessing information, but trying to access the metadata and the knowledge that they've built around that information as well. I still talk to very large banks who say, well, this is our website team over here. And this is our team over here who do the app. And then there's a team over here that do the marketing. And it's confusing as to why we have this approach. I mean, it's a technology stack, sure, but there's so much overlap between what each team is doing. They should be in the same room. They should be talking about the same thing. And that's for something as simple as an app. The insight you can get from each team is fantastic, but if they're not, things are still siloed. Um, we will lose that usefulness of connected data. And I think that sort of brings us to this last insight that you had, which is that companies not using AI will be left behind. And certainly AI is moving at a fast pace. So you know, tell us a little bit more about what you're actually seeing about companies pulling ahead and getting left behind and just in general about that prediction for this year. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm saying is the companies who are working on AI now, they're starting to think about the challenges. They're thinking about data in new ways. They're thinking about what the impact is going to be on the structure of their company, on the bottom line, all these things. They're getting to the problems quicker. They're also making progress, but it's thinking about these big questions is that's the challenge, but it's also if you can tackle them, you can solve these problems early, you're way ahead of the competition. And I think the competition won't be able to catch up. I think once you've figured out how AI works in your organization and leverage it to do more than just automation, your competition won't be able to reach to where you are. So, yeah, I think we're really seeing somewhat of an arms race at the moment. That's good to know. And just a quick follow-up to that. So what sort of ways do you see them falling behind? Is it just losing market share? Is it losing competitiveness? I mean, so what are the ways that you are seeing that AI providing an edge to the companies who are taking advantage of it right now? We're slightly too early to say exactly what those advantages are, but quite often it's more in terms of insight than anything else. There will be a huge financial payoff, but that's not fair for some companies, but not all. 
But I think instead you've got to think of AI not as a simple tool or an add-on or one extra feature, but instead how will a fully connected, fully AI-driven and data-rich company, what will that look like? How will it function? And what's the real core advantage uh, that you get from this new technology? So you need to think bigger. And the companies that are, they're going to be the next Apple and Google and so on. Everyone else is just is going to be the next blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense. I don't think they want to be that. All right. So, so wrapping it up here, we have one last question for you. Obviously, there's a big relationship between big data and AI, but these areas differ in many respects. So how dependent do you believe the future of AI is on the future of big data? And what stumbling blocks in big data will pose challenges for AI adoption? Yeah. So at the moment, AI is absolutely dependent on big data. At the moment, we still need quite a lot of data to train whatever system we're going to use to be able to give us good results. So at the moment, you might need 100,000 examples or a million examples to get to a good training model. As we do more training, as everyone does more training, we have a better basis for where we sit. From there, we'll need less and less data to get a good result. So we'll be, on one hand, be much less reliant on big data. On the other hand, we'll start to look at more things inside the data and also think about what new data we might want to collect to improve the AI we've got. So you're saying that big data is important now, but in the future, we're going to be less reliant on it because these systems will have already learned from what we have now? Yeah, so the big data we've got is going to be useful for a number of years, and then it's going to drop off, and we'll then start collecting a new type of big data, most likely IoT-type device data, and more likely sentiment environmental-type data, which then gives us something richer look at the world. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, obviously, if you look at the investments that the major platform companies are making, you know, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, you know, they're definitely counting on that growing base of data, you know, just in general from all the things that they're encountering from their own customer experiences and their partners and their developers who are building on top of those platforms. So that data explosion is has resulted, obviously, in an accelerated AI landscape. And so, you know, obviously, you'd think that companies themselves with lots of data would see that same explosion. So we're keeping an eye on that, keeping an eye on what's happening in the public and private implementation and adoption of AI. Do you have any final words or thoughts on kind of where we are with AI today and kind of where things are headed in the near future? Oh, I think it's an incredibly interesting and exciting time to be working in AI. I'm based in New York, and the amount of things happening here is just fantastic. Um, as compared to, say, five years ago or even two years ago, there's a real explosion of startups especially, but larger companies trying to work out how to use AI and where it could impact the bottom line. And some really interesting questions being asked about where we want to go as society, as consumers, um, and as companies. And so, yeah, it's a fantastic space to be in right now. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Oliver, for your time. And thank you, listeners. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much, everybody, for participating on the AI Today podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at Cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also, subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? then become a sponsor. 
We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll see you at the next podcast.